The great thing about speaking directly to the problem solution call to action is that you're actually going to create serendipity with people that actually need a solution to their problem right now. So what matters more than anything is that you're doing the right person with the right message at the right volume. Welcome to The Takeover with Tim and Cindy, where we show you how to dominate every area of life and business. Let's get winning. Welcome back to The Takeover with Tim and Cindy. If you want to get B2B or enterprise level clients, you need to be using LinkedIn. If you've not heard about the platform, I highly recommend that you lock into this episode because we're going to chat about how to utilize LinkedIn to get B2B clients, the strategies that we're using right now that are working insanely well. Mm. We've also been utilizing this platform for the last seven plus years, and it is extremely effective. Actually, in the last year alone, we reached out to over 13 million prospects on LinkedIn. That's over a million prospects and decision makers every month utilizing LinkedIn alone. And it's proven to produce exceptional results for us internally and for our clients. So our goal with this episode is to walk you through a very practical way to utilize LinkedIn to get B2B clients so that you can add this to your toolbox on ways to get clients this year. Yeah, I love it. There's more money exchanged in B2B on LinkedIn than any other social platform. Yes. So there's a lot of myths around LinkedIn. We've been doing LinkedIn for a very long time. I used it on one of my original companies in 2015. We trained over 20,000 people in 2018. We've done this for over 700 clients. It works and there's changes and shifts and ups and downs, but the reality is it still works. In fact, it works mm -hmm. even better than it, than it has before as long as you're staying ahead of the game and, and the curve. And so I think a lot of times misconceptions can be, well, I've never responded to this platform. I've never responded. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. So you're expecting other people not to respond. Mm -hmm. And the same for me is I've never responded to a LinkedIn message or a cold email message. <laughs> <laughs> like me personally, but we know the data shows that we get a ton of meetings from LinkedIn. We get a ton of meetings from cold email, all these platforms. And so the reality is there is more money exchange on LinkedIn than any other platform. And if you are not using this platform, if you are not getting a lot of clients from it, it means you're leaving a lot of money on the table and your competitors, they are using it, they are getting clients and they are taking the market share 100%. Yes, absolutely. So our goal with this episode is to walk you through very practically how we approach B2B lead generation on LinkedIn, on that platform, and how you can start using it today to generate leads and clients. So the first thing we want to do with any kind of direct outreach or outbound is to first identify our ideal customer avatar. Yeah. So this is a number one step. Everybody kind of goes, duh, I know this. I know how to do this. Every marketing book talks about it, but there's nuances that we do here in your targeting that if you do them wrong, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. But if you can make the little tweaks properly, you're going to sell yourself up for a major, major advantage over what everybody else is doing in their attempt. 
attempt. So when we kind of think about different targeting parameters within the LinkedIn world, I mean, you have industry. What's the industry I'm going after? You have parameters like company size. Hey, if I want companies with a certain amount of budget, well, I'm probably going to go for bigger company size type companies. There's also other, you know, we have titles and there's different kind of pieces. You can even do what's called, if you have their premium account, active in the last 30 days. So these mm-hmm. are people that have posted on LinkedIn's platform in the last 30 days, which means if you reach out to them, the likelihood of their response is going to be a lot higher. So there's a lot of other features within LinkedIn, but if you use those ones and it really well, you're going to set yourself up for success. So how do you see the team using these kind of main filters to really create different types of campaigns? Yeah, the goal with identifying your ideal customer avatar is to pick out your target pool, right? So this is the group of people that we're going to reach out to with our LinkedIn prospecting or our outreach. I think the common misconception is to make it very niche, to go really small mm. and just to have like a couple hundred people that we can reach out to. People are going too small in mm. this targeting program. Parameters, and that's why their outreach is one, not sustained, and that's why they're not seeing success. So you actually want to have a pool size that is large enough to sustain long-term outreach and then also broad enough for you to reach people in your target markets, right? So don't go too narrow here. Make it actually broad enough to reach a good amount of people. So as long as you can identify the general sense of, you know, what are the titles that I want to reach out to? What general company sizes are my ideal prospects in? What industries are they in? And then as you start to run outreach for a few months, you can start to pick out, oh, these people from this industry with these titles are responding the best and I'm getting Mm. the best leads and booked calls from these. Let's double down on that versus trying to refine and fine tune right at the start. So rather go broad at the start get a larger pool size, launch your outreach, and then refine or narrow down based on data. And I think that's any good marketing is you want to first get flow where we're just get a high volume of outreach and leads and meetings and then refine. Too often we see on any any marketing activity where people try to get the perfectly refined ideal customer from the get-go. And there's two problems with that. Number one is you're building that perfect client off of a lot of assumptions versus building Mm -hmm. it off of real world platform data. Mm -hmm. The second problem with that is, is you never actually get enough flow, aka leads and meetings to to be able to make those changes and, and those adaptations, because a lot of times we've had a lot of clients tell us is they actually had assumptions about who their client was. And it wasn't until after they had been running outreach with enough flow for a while that their assumptions for who their client was were actually inaccurate. And they made adjustments on who their ideal client was yeah. based off of that data. So number one, make sure you are going broad enough and getting flow, and then you refine that to be the perfect lead. You don't start trying to get the perfect lead. You start broad, and then you refine. Absolutely. Give me a couple different ranges and a couple examples of how big. So if I do a total search, should this be 20,000 people? Should this be 50,000 people on the total search? What kind of size of results am I looking for And when I'm kind of refining? How many total people should there be in that search? I would say about 20,000 people in your target pool or your audience size is generally large enough and that will allow you to have good amounts of outreach that you can start to make refinements with down the line. So step one is to identify your ideal customer avatar and make sure that that pool size is large enough. Don't Mm. go too narrow here. Okay. What's step number two? Simple as this. You have to enter the conversation already happening in their head. The temptation is 
to send out a message that says, we have all of these awesome services. Which one would you like? No one wants our thing. No one wants our product. What people want is a solution to the problem that they are currently dealing mm -hmm. with. Yeah. And so you want to enter the conversation already happening in this person's head. So you got to think, what is keeping this client up at night, eye staring at the ceiling, stressed out, can't sleep? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure you can personally think of the things that have kept you up at night, mm -hmm. can't sleep. And I'm sure any of the people listening to this, this show can think of those things that keep them up at night, stressed out. So what is that thing that's keeping your prospect up at night and they can't sleep? Another thing is like, what are other types of services and offerings have they tried to fix this problem? What are ways that those have failed mm -hmm. to fix this problem? Yeah. Right. So you have to start having an understanding of what are the other attempts they've had, how have they failed? And then we could even think of like a third thing is what are they mad at? Who are they mad at? Who are they upset with? Like, so if you can figure out what keeps them up at night, the things they've tried and failed with before that are similar to your offering, and who are they mad at for not being able to solve this, those three things, now there's more pieces to it, but if you can at least get those three things, and then you can craft a compelling message that speaks to those emotional triggers, mm -hmm. you are for sure going to be leaps and bounds above everybody else that's reaching out. Hi, I do web design. Would you like me to do a design, a logo, or this? Like, no one cares about that. So if you can craft a, a great message, and I would say using what I would call common language, simple language. Don't get too into the, the techie and, and the nuts and bolts. Just speak to that problem the person's having. Shoot down some of the attempts they've had before. Keep this very simple. Don't overcomplicate this. More conversational. I always say if you can look at a message or if you look through a text message thread of the way that you talk to your friends, if you can have language patterns or kind of like language structure that's more common to the way you shoot messages back and forth with friends, you're going to have a lot better chance about getting a response. Most people make the mistake of they want to be very formal. They want to be very corporate. They want to make sure they're perfect on their grammar and punctuation when the reality is what's going to build more confidence and trust is seeing a message that looks similar to what a friend would send you. And, and I say it like this, when you go out to your mail box and you see two types of letters. One is a handwritten letter. It looks like it was sent by a person to you. And then the other type of message is glossy, shiny pictures on it. Which ones do you throw in the trash and which ones do you keep to look for later? No, you keep the one that looks like a handwritten note. So the goal is, is you want to mimic that concept of, I want my message to look like a handwritten note even though you are promoting, if you can do that in like just short messages, don't have big blocks of, uh, of words, like just have it like you would send a friend a, just a short message and you're going to look a lot different than everybody else is trying to be the perfect corporate type message. So with that second step, what we're focusing on is crafting the messaging. And the way that we craft that message is by focusing on their pain points, their frustrations, what's keeping them up at night. And inserting that into the message is going to get our prospects to take action versus the generic, where you kind of make in the mail, the glossy promotional type mail, people don't want to receive those types of messages, right? Yeah. And so if we can craft compelling copy that is emotionally charged, that's focusing on those pain points and frustrations, we know we're going to get a response because our prospects want a solution to their problem. And how much more are we going to get a response if we're focusing on those problems versus saying, hey, I offer XYZ, do you yeah. want to get on a call? Those types of very promotional messages get 
get less responses. And if you want to get the best outcome from your B2B lead generation, make sure that you're focusing on the problems and the challenges that yeah. your ideal client is facing. Yeah. So if you're speaking to the problem, here's what most people do is they go, hey, we do web design and R ROI maximization. What you are requiring your prospect to do is translate that in their own heads, do the work in their own heads to say, oh, website ROI optimization. Well, what is that going to do for me? The, mm. Okay, maybe it does this, maybe it does this. They're not going to take they're, action. They're not, not going to take action because you're requiring them to do the problem solving on mm -hmm. how your service helps them. Whereas, hey... If you're having trouble with your website conversions and you're spending too much money on traffic but not getting enough ROI, we help by optimizing website pages for higher conversions. So In good. fact, our average client doubles their return on ad spend, ROAS for the nerds like us out there, <laughs> right? And then so now your problem the way I solve it and the average outcome. So what I so good. spoke to the problem, got their attention. Here's how I saw that. Oh, and by the way, here's the average results I get from my clients. Call to action, full call. If you want help, would it be worth a few minutes of your time to learn more? So good. What's funny is people are actually scared to do that. I don't want to sound salesy. What are you talking about? When you speak directly to the problem and a call to action, you are actually being direct with this person. I will tell you right now, running a company as a CEO, you as a COO, like co-founders, like if you have somebody that reaches out to you and just wants to network and do a soft touch, do you have time for that, Cindy? No, absolutely not. More direct. What do you want? <laughs> Let me know right from the start because that's going right to get me start. to take action. Yeah. The beautiful thing about this is busy decision makers do not have time to make pen pals yeah. on LinkedIn. So many people are scared. I just want to build a, a relationship. Yeah. No one wants to build a relationship. If you are trying to build a relationship and then sell them, you are actually lying and deceiving them that you are of your intentions. When I speak directly to them, I'm being bold. I'm being straightforward. And guess what? If somebody is still with that problem at that time, it's going to be serendipity. Well, it's interesting you reached out to us because we were just talking about this and we need a, we need a problem. And so we get that doing, all the time, all the time mm -hmm. when you're direct with your outreach, it's an artificial serendipitous moment, mm -hmm. right? So if I reach out to enough people, there's going to be people that are talking about this right now. Yes. But guess what happens when you're doing more than networky thing? The person that actually needs it right now is going to be like, dude, I don't want to network. network. I have I've a got a problem to solve. <laughs> yes. And then they're going to say no to you. But then the other person who does have time to waste or kill that wants to pin pal with you on LinkedIn is going to be more of a time waster, more of a tire kicker. That's going to be that kind of person that responds to the message. So yes. the, the great thing about about speaking directly to the problem solution call to action is that you're actually going to create serendipity with people that actually need a solution to their problem right now. So good. So step one, we identify the ideal customer avatar. We know who we're reaching out to. We've now crafted compelling messaging that's speaking to their pain points and frustrations with a direct call to action. Step three, we want to reach out to them. How yeah. do we facilitate that reach out? Hey there, we're going to be coming out with a lot of new content to help you level up in all areas of life and business. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you're listening so that you get immediate updates as soon as a new show is released. There's a lot of confusion around this that people think the software is the, the secret sauce. Right. People think the reach out is the secret sauce. Hmm. I, I say it like this. If you're going to run a marathon, do you want to have the best possible shoe you can have? For the I marathon? say yes. Yeah, absolutely. So if I'm going to run a marathon, I want to make sure I have a really good shoe. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to put on any shoe, but 
if I take that same shoe that is going to be the best shoe for me to run a marathon in, and I give it to somebody that's never trained, never gone running before, does that shoe make them a marathon runner? No. I want to be very clear. That is what a great software is, is it's a shoe for a marathon runner. Finding your customer avatar, creating great copy, but then all of the processes and systems that go into actually reaching out, that's what makes it magic. And so I just want to say this, number one, volume of outreach allows you to have enough data to make adjustments. Mm -hmm. Too often people don't do enough volume on LinkedIn to actually know what to adjust, or they don't track the KPIs or the the numbers, the key performance indicators at each thing. How many people did I reach out to? How many people connected? How out of everyone connected, who responded? And out of those who responded, who became a lead? Mm -hmm. Out of those who became a lead, how many actually booked? So when I track those numbers, the more outreach I have, the more data or information I have on how to adjust my funnel. So what's really important is that you actually do as much volume as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you this, I would highly suggest that first piece is to be automated. We've done tests, and and I even have a a friend that runs another agency that runs LinkedIn. He's ran tests on this before too, where they spent an entire month doing nothing but manual reach outs where they're personally engaging. They'd engage with their content. They'd go look at their blog. They would see their blog. They would comment things about their blog in the messaging, all manual, all this stuff. And it barely, 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 barely outperforms straight up highly automated processes. Wow. So what matters more than anything is that you're doing the right person with the right message at the right volume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now that you have that, you have a high volume, what you also need to have is what pieces are automated, what pieces are manual, and how are the processes to, to scale this? For instance, we personally... Use the first few steps automated, the reach out, the connection, the first message. Mm -hmm. And then when they respond, interested, not interested, tell me more, whatever that would be, then that kicks into a manual process where we actually have internal appointment setters that have those conversations. Then we want to map out what are all the responses. This is what's known as a conversation tree. That's what allows you to have quality control at scale. Mm -hmm. You might just be one person or two people, but say you want to build a team and there's 10 accounts that you're doing outreach with, or there's 20 accounts or there's 50 accounts. How do you scale while keeping quality control? How do you scale? How do you pass this on to an appointment setter? Keep the quality, the same level of quality that you would do if you're manually responding, but do it at scale. And that's going to be through having pre-created responses to all of the messages. And of course, you want to make it human. It's not going to be exact cookie cutter. It's just pre-created. And then, you know, you're going to still be human. (laughs) Like you're still going to read the message and, oh, that's great. That's awesome. But you kind of have the the frame works pre-created for all those responses. That's what allows you to do things at scale. Now, do you want a great software? Absolutely. We, we've tested all, all the softwares out there and there's some really good ones. There's some really bad ones. But what really makes this scalable is all of the pieces that go into running that marathon, as it were. All of the things, the hydration, the training, the preparation, all of those pieces is what really makes makes for a really good LinkedIn campaign. Mm-hmm. So when we're thinking about reach outs, we can either do it automated or we could do it manually. Automation allows you to achieve the volume that we're talking about, right? If you want to get data and you want to do it fast in a way that's effective, automation allows you to do that. Of course, do your research on the best automation tools for you and your team and your company. Manual reach outs, which I do see a lot of people do, can sometimes be less effective because it's not allowing you to do enough volume. So unless you can have somebody on your team connecting with hundreds 
hundreds of people every day, the manual approach is less effective. And so you have to find what that sweet spot is for you and your team with the resources that you have, with the time that you have available. But as to mentioned, reaching out is just the last piece of the puzzle. Everything else that comes before identifying your customer avatar, having the right messaging is truly what leads to effective B2B lead generation on LinkedIn. 100%. 100%. And and I would say that if you are going to do manual, the only time that I would suggest manual is if your audience is tiny, right? So if I have a really small audience, maybe having a 0.1% difference in my lead rate might be good because I, I have a small audience. There's not a lot of people I can reach out to. So that, mm-hmm. that 1% difference in my lead rate can make a big difference for the meetings I get uh, for the month because there's a limitation. Now, if I can serve 100,000 clients, it makes no sense to do manual. So I would, I would say definitely research the tools that you can do at scale and safely because you want to make sure mm-hmm. you keep your, your account safe, yeah. right? But that w- that's one time I would do manuals if you're complete market is smaller than, you know, 20,000 mm-hmm. total. I would even say if clients. your if your market is small, find how you can make it large. Because I think sometimes we have an assumption that like my ideal mm. clients are just itty bitty, this small little pool of people, but ask yourself, how can I expand? Yeah. Like who else on the market would be a fit for this product or service? Because you would be surprised when yeah. we do this exercise with our clients, how much bigger their pool size becomes because they've thought differently about mm. who can actually benefit from this product or service. So, for example, we had a client come to us through a marketing agency and they just wanted to market in Minnesota. So Mm. they only wanted clients in that region. And we challenged them with, hey, there's other people in other cities, other states that could use your marketing services. So why not target nationwide? Why not go abroad and do the whole US? And just that shift in perspective of asking, how can you service more people? Or even just thinking outside of the box of what you're comfortable with can allow you to broaden and enlarge in that target prospect pool. So it's as simple as that. Just ask yourself the question, how can I expand if that is possible? Because oftentimes you'll find that you'll be surprised you can target and reach out to a lot more people than you think is possible. Yeah, geographic, industries, there's all kinds of differences. And sometimes even you will find that what this problem you solve, other industries... Or in, you know, in the case of if I'm going from Minnesota to New York, there's other locations and other industries that will pay you more money mm-hmm. for your service than what you're, you're currently targeting right now. There's people yes. that will value that higher. Mm-hmm. than what your local market or what your current industries that you're going after are willing to yes, pay. Yes, absolutely. So not just be open to that, but maybe think, well, who else has this problem yes. that is willing to pay way more for it and that there actually might be less competition? Because mm-hmm. I so know good. we found that where sometimes you're like, oh, wow, there's this segment of people that when we, when we talk to them, <laughs> they have horrible lead generation, but they've got plenty of budget. They've got a lot of money. We go talk to them and we then we realize they're a much easier client to get. Mm-hmm. And so I think just even being open to that, you might even be surprised that you find better quality clients. Yes. So good. That's a great, great tip. So to recap, how to execute successfully on B2B LinkedIn lead generation. First, set up your ideal customer avatar. This is going to be the target pool of people that you are reaching out to. Make it broad, as broad as possible. Make sure that you have a good enough pool size of people that you want to target. Step two, make sure that you understand what is keeping your prospect up at night. What are their pain points and frustrations? What are their ultimate hopes and desires? Because that's going to help you cross 
craft compelling messaging to speak to the problem that they're facing and not just to network and have pen pals, as Tim says. <laughs> and then the third thing is to reach out to them, right? Determine how you can combine automated reach outs with manual direct outreach and see what works best for you and your team with the yeah. ultimate goal of getting your prospects on a call or having them take that next step with you. Mm, so good. We hope that you found this episode helpful. If you are executing on B2B lead generation and you want to know some more tips on how to succeed with this, click the link underneath this episode in the show notes. You can find our outbound sales playbook. We walk you through step by step A to Z exactly how we're seeing success with outbound strategies this year. And we want you to succeed with them as well. So click the link in the show notes. Okay, this is The Takeover with Tim and Cindy. Stay winning.